We've all been weary after a long day's travel. Not quite feeling like ourselves when we deplane at our destination. Maybe you've landed in a place or country you've never been, or perhaps even one that you've been to many times. No matter what, the feeling of being tired and just wanting to get to your destination as soon as you can, I think is universal for all travelers. Sometimes airport security can seem overbearing or customs officials even intimidating, but they serve an important purpose in all of our safety. But what if when you arrived and presented your identification or passport, you were met with a blank expression of mystery and intrigue? What if the airport customs official had never heard of where you just came from, a place that you'd been traveling from successfully without any issues all of your life? What if you found out you just flew from a place that they're telling you doesn't exist? The place you call home. On a scorching hot summer's day in July 1954, a passenger airline touched down at Haneda Airport in Tokyo, Japan. It was late afternoon, the sun still high in the sky and beaming down as the passengers disembarked, the heat waves shimmering across the tarmac. They were mostly Japanese, perhaps returning from a vacation or visiting other parts of the world, but there were several European travelers as well. Nothing in particular that would have stood out as strange to any of the fellow airport travelers, or even the Japanese customs officials. To them, even, it was probably just another normal day at the office. However, one passenger did catch their attention. A slender, well-dressed European man with a slight beard, carrying a nice leather briefcase along with his luggage, stepped up next at the customs counter. The customs official took his normal-looking and appropriately worn passport. The man's primary language was French, although he spoke Japanese very well, as well as several other languages. When asked, he told the officials in Japanese that he was there on business. They, of course, had zero reason to disbelieve him. He didn't appear to be a tourist. As the customs official looked down at his passport... That's when things took a bizarre turn. The passport had several travel stamps from several different nations, including Japan. There was nothing about the passport that looked fake or counterfeit. What stood out and struck the official as odd, however, was his country of origin. Emblazoned on his passport in bold lettering was the name Tarid. The official, nor his nearby officials, whom he called over recognized this name. They didn't doubt, however, the authenticity or validity of the passport. They did pull him aside for clarification and to allow the building customs line to keep moving. They then asked the man to follow them into a small side office used for interviews not unlike this one, so they could begin further questioning and clarification. The man, who was polite, cooperated willingly. They asked him for other forms of identification, which he happily obliged and calmly handed over, showing that he was, in fact, a citizen of a country named Tarid. He also presented currency and banknotes issued by his homeland, which again, didn't look counterfeit at all. 
Confused but completely intrigued and curious, the Japanese customs officials placed a map of the world on the table. They slid it over to the man and asked him to point out where his country was located. He smugly agreed, smiling, no doubt beginning to get slightly frustrated at the charade the officials were putting him through. Pulling the map closer to himself so he could quickly show them, his smug expression changed immediately to one of confusion and then shock. He pointed to an area right on the border between France and Spain where the modern-day principality of Andera is currently, saying that this is where his homeland should have been. In a confused, somewhat frantic voice, he declared that the kingdom of Tared was over a thousand years old and that there was no reason it wouldn't be on any standard world map. He also claimed this was his third trip to Japan that year. He'd made similar trips over the past five years and had never encountered any problems at customs before. He again pointed to the country stamps on his passport as evidence of these trips. Beginning to get frustrated, he asked the officials to call the company he was visiting or to call the hotel where he had a reservation or even to call his company who could verify who he was. The officials, also becoming equally agitated, called the company he claimed he was visiting who said that they had never heard of him. Looking up the company he worked for, they discovered didn't exist. And calling the hotel where he had made a reservation, they couldn't find under his name. At this point, his confusion and perhaps even amusement had quickly turned to anger. He began accusing the staff of pulling an elaborate joke at his expense. He then demanded to see government officials immediately so they could clear the matter up and he could be on his way. Since they couldn't detain him indefinitely in this small office, they agreed to let him stay at the airport hotel on one of the top floors while he waited for the government officials and authorities to arrive. Two guards were placed outside the door of the room under strict orders to not let the man leave under any circumstances. He was served a meal and reportedly took a nap, but... When the government officials arrived later that evening, they knocked on his door and found there was no response. Asking the guards to open the room, upon entering, the man from Tarid and all his belongings had vanished without a trace. The guards, of course, were strongly questioned and they maintained that no one had come in or out the room except room service for the meal. They had never left their post, and the only other exit was from a sealed, ledgeless window that was six floors above the road below. The fall alone would have killed anyone that attempted that jump, not to mention broken the window glass and left shards of evidence behind. Although obviously baffled by this entire encounter, no one, including the authorities, ever saw this man again. Who was this man from Tared? How did he possibly vanish from a duly guarded room on the sixth floor of a hotel? One theory is that he was an unwitting interdimensional traveler who came from a reality not too unlike our own, with, of course, at least one obvious difference, his homeland of Tared. When he awoke from his nap, did he wake up back in his dimension of origin? In another hotel room? Confused? That perhaps it was all just a dream? Did he then spend the rest of his life wondering about that vivid dream, never quite sure if it had ever actually happened? Maybe he ended up reporting his experience in his universe. Perhaps the legend even being told right now on a podcast much like this one.
Hey kids, welcome back to That Would Be Rad, the podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in pre-internet mysteries, retro video games, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Wow, what a story. Man, just insane. Like when you said that you thought this should be uh, our next episode, I oh, yeah. never heard anything about this man, the man mm-hmm. from Tarid. I mean, literally seconds after diving into it a little bit, I was hooked. I could not wait to tell this story. I couldn't wait for people to hear more about it. Totally. It is, uh, yeah, it's it's a funny thing because apparently the story kind of comes from the 60s. I think that was when it kind of started making its rounds as sort of like an urban legend. And I think, uh, there, I think there were a couple articles in some Japanese newspapers about it. Yeah, it's just kind of been one of those really kind of off the beaten path urban legends that I just I I think it's so fascinating and it's it's so cool. Dude, I love how there's so many obscure legends like this that, you know, myself as an example, I'd never heard about, but then yeah. they're just so fascinating that you're like, oh man, it's like opening up this like world of just mystique and intrigue that it's just super exciting. Yeah, man. for sure. It uh as a fan of the paranormal and fringe science and, you know, anything kind of weird. You know, it's like anytime you hear these little stories, these sort of one-off stories, like these urban legends, or it just sort of makes the world more interesting. It's like, well, it opens the world up for potential and possibilities. Um, and I think that's just so cool. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of room for, you know, when a story like this is told, when someone hears a story like this, the immediate potential reaction, of course, of anyone that would be even just slightly skeptical skeptical about... Skeptical. Skeptical. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, anybody that's just slightly skeptical when they hear a story like this, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because, well, you know, I mean, there's... First off, I understand the reaction, right? I mean, most of the people, my wife included, and certainly probably leading the charge her kind of approach to anything like this or anything even paranormal is there's got to be, you know, a a valid sort of explanation for what just happened. What's cool about stuff like this is in a way there kind of is, you know, there are physicists and there is science and at least thought experiments behind a lot of the things that this specific legend kind of things that happen in this specific story, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, okay. I've always been a fan and fascinated with the concept of like time travel in, in some ways, I think that maybe even some of the things that we, that, that are reported as, you know, UFOs or aliens could in fact be visitors from, you know, the far distant future Mm -hmm. and reading things like back to the future. Yeah. Well, Back to the Future definitely kind of sparked my interest in time travel. But, you know, like in college and stuff, I read A Brief History in Time. And just the idea that there is science beyond sort of what you learn in grade school and that very acclaimed, very well-respected people within the scientific community don't, and that's the beauty of science, they don't they don't hold it as an impossibility. Mm-hmm. They acknowledge things like this happening as a possibility and then yeah. have you know, hypothesized and even theorized how it could be possible. And that's when it gets really fun and interesting for me. You know, there's there's a guy, Erwin Schrodinger? Schrodinger? Mm-hmm. Schrodinger's cat, that theory. Yeah, man. So basically the, the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment is like this. The hypothesis is that throughout a person's life, mm-hmm. they're going to have many, if not infinite choices to be made throughout a person's life, right? Which could Mm -hmm. lead to millions, if not infinite numbers of outcomes. And so each time someone makes a choice and and comes to this kind of like crossroads, the universe, the theory is that the universe splits into several possible branches based upon Mm -hmm. the different decisions available to that individual at that moment in time. And then that these kind of branches go on to coexist as separate space times. And so Mm -hmm. given like the number of life forms on planet earth, for example, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, dogs, cats, humans, whatever, every single organism almost is, is is faced with all all these infinite choices. 
so there's all these sort of infinite alternate existences basically based on all of those infinite possibilities that are kind of just coexisting essentially now Mm -hmm. anybody listening to this that is like super skeptic i get it that sounds a little marvel you know because i mean really the 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 term later coined was like the multiverse and you know comic fans or anybody that just happened to get into the Marvel franchise or anything like that can kind of start to understand the the multiverse idea. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, just if you just kind of like come along for the ride and, and, and just think about it in terms of the thought experiment, meaning just kind of thinking through that is just fascinating. I mean, think about all the different choices that you made. When I say you, I mean, anyone listening to this, of course, but also you, Tyler, that you made just this morning, for example, you know, oh, yeah. uh, the, the five seconds that it took you to maybe be late to go to an appointment or, you know, which I was. Yeah, boy, of course. I had a neurologist appointment. And I was indeed late, <laughs> you know, and maybe that being late was a good thing because of mm-hmm. any of the infinite possibilities that, that could have occurred if you had been on time or whatever. And so just that like idea is fascinating. And I think because of that idea, because of the idea that there are multiverses and there's all these infinite possibilities that existed and all the different outcomes kind of just coexisting and Mm -hmm. us not really knowing like how far apart those outcomes or universes, if you will, are from each other. Like the distance between those different universes could be extremely small or they could be millions of light years away in terms of distance, okay? Well, and they say, you know, two, this sort of plays into like the the like the butterfly effect where say in this reality we went to the store and met a friend and then in the next reality that never happened well maybe that you know maybe that leads to you never meeting your wife maybe that leads to so it's these like little things that uh could possibly send shock waves mm-hmm. through your your basically your destiny uh so it's it's a really interesting thing and I'm super glad that you you didn't really stick on the I don't know. I think it's easy to get stuck on like the nuts and bolts time travel aspect mm-hmm. of this. And, you know, the older I've gotten, I think that it has more to do with these sort of multiple realities. So it's like if, you know, if you look to your right, you know, every, you know, beside you, there's an endless array of, of Tyler's doing all slightly different things. So I think with these, you know, it's a little bit of like, like bleed over uh, into realities where, it's super interesting because, you know, what happened with this guy? Because he disappeared from his room. So did he sort of merge with our reality or the reality as, you know, back then as we knew it? And then he was here one night and then he merged back into his and maybe Torred was was right back where it was supposed to be. He got on the plane, went back and everything was cool. And there's, you know, there's multiple, multiple um, stories like this, you know, where somebody sort of uh, just appears out of nowhere there's like one in new york i remember a long time ago hearing about the story um and i look i couldn't find it but i looked it up yesterday um and basically it was a guy just sort of appeared at an intersection back in i want to say like the 60s maybe popped in the middle of an intersection in the middle of new york got hit by a car died well then there's a guy that disappeared and they never knew uh, they never knew like what happened to him. And basically he had the same contents in his pocket as the guy that appeared at the intersection and was killed in New York years prior. He, he had the same like coat check from this, uh, men's club that he was a member of. He had the same clothing and, you know, so it's sort of this mm-hmm. for me too, you know, it gets into like, uh, you know, and again, like what he said, there's, there's so many people out there that know so much more than we do about this topic that mm-hmm. really get into like the science of it. But, you know, it gets into a thing called retrocausality, which is pretty fascinating. It's basically looking at time as like it's not a linear thing. There was a there's a professor at a at a Ivy League school. I can't remember if it was Harvard or or Princeton or wherever, but the professor would Every semester, and he did this for several years in a row, he would do these pop quizzes all throughout the semester with his kids every year. And half of those pop quizzes, he would spring out of nowhere. They would take the pop quiz. That was it. The other pop, you know, the other 50% of the pop quizzes, he would do the pop quiz, and then he would go over 
uh, all of the answers and explain like, you know, how they reached, you know, the, the answer that they were supposed to get. Almost 99% of the time, those pop quizzes ended up, the kids ended up doing exponentially better. So by them studying after they took the test, was that like somehow informing the answers that they were giving before? You know, it's looking at time as sort of this jumbled kind of thing instead of this linear, here's the beginning, here's the end. So hold on, I'm, I'm, a, little confu- I'm a little confused here. So basically the professor, half the time he would give a pop quiz mm-hmm. and then the other half of the time he would give a pop quiz but then would kind of go over the answers afterwards. With- yeah, with the class. Mm-hmm. The grades were like 99% Higher. better. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering too, because I know this this sometimes would happen <laughs> in at uh, my university where he would do that for one class. And then, for, not he, as in I didn't have him, <laughs> obviously, but like a professor would do that. You went kind to of an Ivy League school. I went to like a kudzu league school. Um, <laughs> you know, he... Uh, the uh, professor would basically go over the quiz in the you know eight o'clock class. Mm-hmm. By the time you took the class at like one, your buddy already knew oh, all no, the no. answers because he wrote the notes down, and so you're studying those notes. You come in at one, boom, pow, boom. You no. get the uh, you get the good grade. No, he he would he had like such because he was doing it this way. He had like a baseline of every single t- t- time he would do it. It would be it would be completely sort of uh sporadic and then also you know it's not like he would spring the same you know test on the students a week later and he would do it on like another class so it was completely completely sporadic cool yeah Mm -hmm. because another way that we used to kind of get by all that too was you know you just write the notes in your ti-85 i don't know what that is the the calculator you don't know the ti-85 calculator you don't remember that from like high school the big what's a calculator oh my god I can't believe I went to a small private school. Jesus, man, no kidding. You don't. You seriously don't know what a TI eighty five is? I never. No. Well, you got to look at this though. I was I was a really smart kid. I was in a lot of gifted classes, but math I was about as remedial as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, you just got to own it. You know. Tonight's program has been brought to you by. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I kind of want to like loop back to the man from Tarid. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that whenever I was reading about it and thinking about it and stuff, there's a couple of moments that I kind of want to like really have people think about. Mm-hmm. And and one of them is like, can you imagine how absolutely terrifying it would be if you were in any of the roles that happened in this story? Like if you were the man from Tarid or woman mm-hmm. and all of a sudden – I mean, just right out of the gate, you'd be like, these people are playing a joke on me. Oh, yeah. You know? And anytime you travel internationally, you know, the stress is, I think, increasingly so since, like, you know, September 11th, uh, 2001. But, like, the stress level on an international trip can sometimes be sort of off the charts because when you get off oh, the yeah. plane, you know, you're, you're, wait, what do I have to declare? What, what is this form that I have to fill out? You know, customs officials are sometimes intense. 
So your stress is already, you know, off the charts. And then these people, can you, I mean, I can't even fathom what it would be like when someone would say, what's America? Yeah. What is America? You know? Yeah. You'd be like, uh, okay, come on, man. You, you know, I, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I need to go, you know? Yeah. And, and then them being so serious. Right. And, and, you know, cause I mean, practical jokers, yeah, they do it pretty well. I mean, look at old uh, Punked or whatever, right? Well, this was also back in, what was the year? Uh, Pre-Ashton. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 1954. Yeah, 54. I mean, you know, that wasn't really a common, you know, big practical jokes like that. I don't think that was a common thing. Mm-mm. And I feel like Especially also, not in the Japanese culture. Right, exactly. Well, And also, I mean, the fact that it got so far to the point of, oh, by the way, we're going to detain you for... A night. Mm-hmm. So n- not only is he already late, I'm sure he was super frustrated. Oh, I've never man. heard of your country. Furious. Yeah. And then now we're going to keep you overnight. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's insane. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that he, you know, he shows proof of his passport and, you know, he, he speaks like another language. I mean, I think he's, I think you said he spoke multiple languages, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it'd be like Japanese, but then different yeah i mean it's just it's it's wild man and then imagine how like frustrating it would be if you were one of the officers or something like that you know you've got this in your mind absolute crazy person telling Mm -hmm. you that they're from this country that doesn't exist of course the first thing in your mind is like what is this guy like this guy's on drugs i mean what is he doing you know the details about how the passport it didn't look counterfeit but it was also like worn down like a passport would be and it had the stamps of different countries uh, in there, you know? Yeah. That's just, man, alive. It's just crazy. Well, also, I, I, I think it's funny to think about the, um, you know, the guys. I mean, it, it went, it, like, the dudes that worked at the airport. It's like, uh, we don't know what to do either. So here's a, here's a globe, point yeah, to where your country is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, it's not here. That's crazy. Oh, God. So yeah, crazy. Man. And, and, you know, like, I think, so, okay, in terms of what we think happened, do you want to give your theory first or do you want to hear my idea? Um, I mean, I kind of gave mine in the sense that I just, I think that it was, uh, you know, I don't think it's a time thing. I think it was like a sort of maybe a, a merging of two realities and maybe it sort of, you know, intertwined and then self-corrected and then he disappeared back to you know, his reality or, or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Almost like a, when you say like, um, intertwine, do you mean like there's sort of like some sort of rift in whatever keeps all these realities separated, right? And so there's right. some sort of like way that people from one area can suddenly be in the next. And I think too, here's what's helped me with kind of thinking about all this. When when people think of alternate realities or multiple universes, and they think, well, I mean, it would be different enough that, like, I would I would know that, you know, I was somewhere else. But what if, you know, because of all the small choices, what if there's really not that noticeable of a difference? If I was in my office, I was looking at, like, the couch that's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, someone might say, well, I mean, there's no difference there. Well, what if it was just, like, the color was slightly different or different? Well, that, theme, that's you know? where the, the Mandela effect comes in. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Where it's like these little things, like, um, you know, if you build it, he will come now. Uh, it's no longer mirror, mirror on the wall. It's a magic mirror on the wall. Uh, it's, you know, no longer life is like a box of chocolates. It's life was like a box of chocolates. So it's these little tiny things that are kind of changing. So we'll go back in the Mandela effect and do like a real deep dive, probably a multi-episode one, because there's so many just amazing examples. But what's happening there because i would venture to say every person out there remembers berenstein bears e-i-n bears instead of now it's berenstein s-t-a-i-n like a stain on the carpet or like you know the publisher's clearinghouse every person that i've asked this has said immediately oh it was ed mcmahon ed Mm -hmm. mcmahon never worked for the publisher's clearinghouse he never held a big check on a commercial and what's what is that why does everybody say well this is how i remember it yeah so well, so what is, we've kind of talked about this too like i'm a terrible person for you to ask those questions because around that time like around elementary and middle school i lived overseas where 
<laughs> they would just change stuff anyway. So like Encino Man <laughs> was called California Man. Oh, you know, because they it. had to like relate. Like nobody knows what Encino is in Jakarta, Indonesia, right? right? So in Southeast Asia, no one's like, oh, cool, I'll go see a movie called Encino Man. They don't know what that is. So mm-hmm. the California Man or like uh, I sent you a picture of those um, <laughs> Happy Toes instead of Doritos. <laughs> That's um, amazing. So you asked me a question. I'm like, I, I don't know, man. You know, I had bootleg copies of um, – tapes and stuff that they would change ever so slightly so that they wouldn't be like sued and stuff I mean, you know so i'm a terrible um resource for that did you go into your what you thought it was oh no i didn't uh yeah so in some ways i'm i'm a little skeptical like the mandela effect is probably an example of one of the things where i'm like uh i feel like Don't there's you do it no i'm just saying i feel like there's for some of those things explanations or some sort of psychological effects that you can have on on uh you know in terms of memory and stuff so that for example i'm probably the most skeptical about believe it or not but you know do aliens exist i think they could mandela effect eh, i don't know um Mm. yeah well i'm just saying for this though i do like the concept well i say like i mean if it happened to me i'd be Mortify. I mean, it would be just the idea of waking up in a different reality and things mm-hmm. being different, especially now as like a dad and a husband. And it's just, it's terrifying. But it's entertaining and it's fun to kind of think about as long as it didn't happen to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, yeah, because all of the small choices can potentially make a new sort of reality, so to speak, a different thread. Yeah, the probability of sort of those the the distance between those t- realities or the whatever it is that that separates us um from that reality men sometimes maybe they do kind of just you know i mean i just think probability wise there's a probability if you kind of follow that that line of thinking that there is a probability that those realities or several realities could overlap and that's you know that's fascinating so in this case specifically i think for whatever reason those realities overlapped maybe it happened when he was on the plane and uh i mean who knows you know i mean maybe there's something to it did he fall asleep on the plane did does dreaming have anything to do with it you know since he was have said to take a nap at the at the thing maybe maybe there's some sort of tie in there with with dreams i mean dreams fascinate me like crazy the fact that our mind can create this movie that you're living in you know yeah, and, it, and and it's so vivid and real. And when you wake up, sometimes I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever had like one of those dreams where, you know, you're you, you either you're mad at your wife for something, and you wake up and you're st- like you kind of think that that's real, and so you're still pissed off in the morning. Oh yeah, I remember a long time ago. I'm pretty so, she, sure she has those dreams about me constantly, every day dreams. She's yep. daydreaming it right now. Yep. Uh, I mean, I would be. I, you know, I'm on Team Courtney all day. 100%. Um, <laughs> um, somebody told me a long time ago that, and I don't know if this is from a book. If so, we got to find it. And it's an episode on its own about dreams. But essentially, when you dream, you, your soul or whatever, or your, your consciousness goes to this other sort of plane of existence along with other people that happen to be for example, dreaming at that mm-hmm. time. That's part of the way that you can explain, like, you know, if you've had a dream about someone that you've never met in real life, but they're like a real person, you know? Right, yeah. Um, because that's a real person. They're also on the quote-unquote dream plane. Mm-hmm. Plane as in plane of existence, not like airplane. It's just an interesting concept. So I think, in short, what do I think happened here? I think possibly there was some sort of overlapping of realities, and this guy... His reality is he comes from a place called Tared, and he just happened to kind of overlap into our uh, reality, and and then kind of went back. And and like I said, you know, imagine, imagine if he reported that, or if he thinks about that constantly. I mean, 1954. Let's say he's in mid 30s. Well, he's he's probably he's probably dead, dead. Yeah, but you know, he he probably told his offspring about it if he had him and uh mm-hmm. or his wife or partner or whatever like someone else in that reality has heard this strange tale in a different mm-hmm. way i like to think i like that 
idea about it somehow being tied to dreams. Hmm. One thing that that um, I had actually never thought of until you just said this, but um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've sort of prescribed sort of this theory and like sort of multiverses and uh, sort of merging or overlapping or bleed through uh, of realities. You know, that's why haunted houses or ghost sightings or, you know, I'm not saying that they're not wandering spirits or they're they're not sort of a replaying of events. Uh, but I think I think a lot of this could explain sort of the haunting ideas where and also, you know, like you go, oh, this house is haunted. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the house. Maybe it's just that's where our reality is a little thinner. So mm-hmm. you're able to sort of see beyond into like another reality or, you know, like hot spots or portals. Or I mean, I know it gets a little crazy, but I like the idea that, that you just brought up where you said, well, maybe he sort of shifted into another reality as he was flying. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I always thought, oh, well, the Bermuda Triangle mm-hmm. is... Mm-hmm. It's like a portal, you know, and I mean, there's several things. I mean, I think Amelia Earhart even went through a weird, uh, what do they call it? They called it like like electronic fog or something mm-hmm. where they can't really see anything out of the cockpit and then they arrive two hours ahead of time. Or there's 20 hours missing and there's no way that they would have had enough gas in their plane that they were flying around for mm-hmm. actual 20 hours. Yeah. So, like, I think that's really cool. So, I mean, who knows? You know, that could have could have even played into it. I mean, maybe somewhere in the sky there was another hot spot that, you know, that plane sort of flew in, and maybe everybody else on that plane was from other like other countries that were included in that in the reality that you know where the airport and all that stuff was. Uh, not to go off on a rabbit trail, but. The the actual actually the way that I found out about is that this, the saying? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying. Is that what it's? Is that is that right? G- yeah, again, I'm a terrible. Again, I'm a terrible judge of that because I'm I mean, like, maybe in your reality, you know, in my reality, trail. I don't know if it's like uh, you know, not to go down a rabbit trail. I guess that's, that's what it's called. Right? Rabbit hole? No, that sounds even worse. Yeah, but okay. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if I believe you, but go ahead. Rabbit trail. Um, Anyway, uh, the reason I actually I found out about this, uh, so I don't really consider myself somebody who has had a lot of experiences, but it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Tim Renner, the host of Strange Familiars podcast. Uh, I was actually on an episode and uh, talking about this. Uh, so I've had several sort of, I guess you would look at it as like paranormal events throughout my life, and um, a couple we're going to go into on Halloween, but I'm going to tell one today that, uh, you know, after this event happened is when I just started binging and started researching, you know, time slips and alternate realities and, you know, everything. So I had a situation kind of like this myself. Several years ago, I used to work at a hospital and I used to work in the OR and I was an operating room assistant. So basically I would, you know, they would call on our radios, room 22 is turning over. That meant They've already done the surgery, and we would show up to move the patient on, you know, from the the operating table onto the stretcher, and then we would wheel them into recovery. Uh, there was one day where I came in at eleven, so my lunch was like at three o'clock or something, and I text my wife Courtney after lunch as I was heading back on the floor. I said, "Hey, I'll call you whenever I get back. Um, they, they've just called for turnover and." you know, in a room or whatever. So for anybody that hasn't worked at a hospital before and, and would not be familiar with the word turnover. Oh, explain. sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Turnover is, is when, like I was saying, like when a room is, when they're done with the surgery and we're coming in, we're moving the patient onto the, onto the stretcher, we're wheeling them out, we're cleaning up, setting everything up for the next case. Yeah. Um, and so in this operating room, I mean, it's pretty huge. It was just the operating room floor was as, about as big as a football field. So, uh, you know, on one side of the hall, it's all even numbers. On the other side, it's all odd numbers. So, like I said, I just had lunch. I text my wife, hey, I'll call you or I'll text you when I get out of this room. Um, you know, say it was 4 o'clock. I showed up in the room. Um, and also, just to know, we, ha- we kept like a radio or like a walkie-talkie, uh, like in my breast pocket. And so 
um, anytime we would turn over a room, two of us would have to go. So, you know, I went on the radio, said, this is Tyler, copy, copy room, you know, 22, I'll be there in a second. And then my buddy Ernie, he was an older guy, you know, he copied too. So I knew it was, it was going to be the two of us. So we showed up, he's on, he's on, uh, the way, the way we would move the patient is basically he's on the side of the stretcher. I'm on the side of the operating table and we would do like a count off and there was like a little roller board thing we would count off and I would, he would pull the patient over into the bed and I would sort of wheel it, wheel the patient over and then I would pull the, you know, the stretcher, the side rail up and then we would wheel them out. Well, we show up to room 22. The last thing that I remember, and keep in mind, this is like a, you know, you have to have like two guys. So I remember hearing somebody say, moving and turnover in room you know, something. I don't remember what it was. And that was the last thing I remember. Next thing I I know is I show up in another room um, with a thing called a beanbag. It's just like sort of, you know, it's a, it's a term for like this thing that you would hook an air hose up to and it would, um, it's hard to explain, but it's basically this piece of uh, machinery that we would use in the operating room. I showed up to a certain room and I and I was like, "Hey, here's your beanbag." And they were like, "We didn't call for a beanbag." And I'm like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay, well, sorry." And then I walk out. Well, then I see Ernie and he is pissed. And I was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" And I was like, "Hey, who needed the beanbag?" And he was like, "I don't even know what you're talking about. Nobody called for a beanbag." And I was like, "What's wrong with you, man?" And he said, "He said, "You just left me hanging." And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, we were in room 22 and you, the radio went off, called for something. And he said, you basically looked up, looked at the door and just walked off. And he said, we had to have two nurses fill in for you. And even the doctor, as you were walking out of the room, was like, hey, where are you going? And he said, I just, I looked at the door, I walked straight out and everybody's calling for me and... I just walked straight out the door. So, Jeez, dude, like with like a just a blank expression. Blank expression. I didn't even respond when when the doctor Ernie and like I think even a nurse was saying, "Hey, Tyler, we need you. We you know we need an ORA to help." And so here's what's weird. So I, it's like this is not registering what Ernie's telling me, and he's he's saying you know basically. So I'm like, okay, I need to know exactly what happened because I came into turnover with you and then I remember hearing something on the radio and then that's the last thing I remember and he said yeah you the radio went off and it was like static he said that he 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 didn't even know if anybody called out that he just thought it was like static because you know sometimes you know like a yeah or you know sometimes somebody would you know hit the button and Mm -hmm. then they were going to ask a question then they would realize oh I don't need that so then they cut it off you know and he said, I don't even think anybody called you. But the second that happened, it's like you looked up, you dropped the rollerboard, you know, you had your hands on the rollerboard, you like let go, and then you walked straight for the door and just left. So what was really weird about it, and this is where it like kind of started freaking me out a little bit, is I looked at my clock. And remember how I said I had just got back from lunch and it would have been 4 o'clock. Well, now it was like 5.45, and another thing that was weird is when I Wait sort minute, of... Whoa, whoa, whoa. So before this happened, it was mm-hmm. like lunchtime, or I mean your break, your meal break, which is right. like what, 3 p.m.? Uh, yeah, it would have been like 3.20 or something. or something. And, and I took like a 40-minute break, so it would have been 4 o'clock when I got on the floor. As I was coming back from lunch, you know, and heard what you remember hearing, hey, we need a beanbag. Well, no, no, no. So, so I heard, no, so I got back from lunch, and then as I'm coming back on the floor for my lunch break, I hear room 22 moving a turnover. So then I answer, and then we show up at the room. Um, and then I don't remember anything. After I heard my radio call out, all I remember is it's an hour and 45 minutes, roughly an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes later, and I'm holding a beanbag, you know, asking. In a room like, that doesn't need one. Yeah, so and, like, and I'm like, not only are you just like, you didn't just like black out in the room that it happened. You just like are in another place, completely just in another like, place. Huh? And what's oh weird too is 
the like I said, this the operating room, the operating floor is as big as a football field. So another interesting point is that from room 22, where I would have gotten the beanbag would have been I would have had to go completely all the way around to the opposite side of like the the odd side. So I was on the even side, and this would have been in the odd side where, like the closet, like where we would keep all these supplies. Yeah, so basically the other side of the building. Right, exactly. Um, And so that shows that I didn't blank out. I didn't just fall asleep somewhere. It means that whatever happened, when this radio went off, I showed up completely across the floor with a piece of machinery that nobody called out for, and it's an hour 30, hour 45 minutes after. Man, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness you weren't just like holding some kind of like, I don't know, operating saw or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like when, when okay, so when you explain this to uh, Ernie, um, mm-hmm. Ernesto, did... Um, we did actually call him Ernesto. You Okay, so he's mad at you. You're like, What? Like, what yeah. happens next? Is it, uh, do, do you kind of, like, explain, like, dude, I don't know what just happened, man. Like, one second I was there, one now I'm here. And, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you calm him down or do you just, like, what what happened? Like, Well, so, so I, not originally because, I mean, it really took me a minute to realize, like, wait a minute, this isn't adding up because, you know, I whatever happened in between, I was perfectly under the impression that I, I was just doing my job. I was just going along with, with normal daily activities. And then mm-hmm. somebody called out for this this beanbag, which apparently didn't happen either. So whatever I was doing, I was just like continuing on. So another interesting part is that like, I, I considered myself a really good employee. Like I was always on the ball, always anywhere that any anybody needed me. But there were a few a few guys there that, you know, they'd kind of go missing for an hour or, you know, they'd hop off the floor to go towards the lab and hang out with their girlfriend on another level or because, you know, Mm. basically we were, we have like tasks that we were doing throughout the day, but then, Uh you know, while a room, like in between, you know, surgeries, we were just kind of waiting sometimes on a room to call out and then, you know, then we would copy and then we would go. So there were a lot of guys that, or not a lot, but there were a few guys that would just kind of, you know, be a little lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that was one of the things because Ernie was actually a really good friend of mine and him and I were both like pretty hard workers. So I I would always have his back and he would always have mine. And so it was really weird when, for me to see him like, I mean, genuinely like pretty pissed off because, uh, you know, and rightfully, I mean, if you look at it from oh, his perspective absolutely. too, it's like, dude, what yeah. in the world? This guy just like literally walked out and... Well, and that was another thing is he he said that basically all that stuff happened and then I just disappeared. And I even went around after that, you know, once I figured out like, wait a minute, I'm missing like over an hour and a half of time that I don't know anything that just happened. Like, I don't know... And so I went around to ask, like, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but did like to the other ORAs, hey, did you, have you seen me in the last hour and a half? And like, everybody said, no, I was nowhere to be seen. I didn't answer any radios. I didn't, nobody saw me like turning over any rooms. And that was another thing. It was, it was, it was actually like a pretty busy time of the day too. Uh, so it looked like I just up and disappeared. Jeez, man. Yeah, really weird. Uh, the only thing that I thought of, uh, you know, after this happened, there was an event when I was a kid where, you know, we grew up in the country up in Cleveland, Georgia. I got off the bus and I would always go to my grand- grandparents' house. Uh, you know, it was like a dirt road from my grandparents' house up to my house. You know, I don't know. How how, how far would you say that that is? Uh, from Remember? your house to your grandparents' house? Yeah. Oh, I'm terrible man. with like distance. I, but like, you know, maybe like... Uh kilometer no man like uh no? let's see maybe like 100 yards i mean like a football field you know yeah okay yeah so about like the length of a fo- football field uh and so when i was a kid my grandpa had horses and cattle and stuff and um we had horses on like in between there was like a fence along the path along the dirt road between my house and my my grandparents house so i got off the bus this would have been around the 
3.30 ish, I went to my grandmother's house, got a snack, and then I came home to like do homework. I would have been in like, I don't know, third, fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, mm-hmm. maybe at the latest. I remember walking home, you know, along the dirt road, and then it was like time skipped. And then next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground and I'm getting up and it's almost dark, which would mean that, um, you know, basically from 3.30 until, I don't know, a you couple know, hours. You know what time of year, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't remember, but definitely it, several hours, if not several like hours more, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I always just thought, you know, I'm a kid, maybe I touched, you know, because I remember at one time there was an electric fence. Maybe I touched an electric fence. There's a bare wire, you know, that I Well, no, I mean, you know, we had cattle and bite down on horses and stuff. I just always sort of chalked it up to maybe I touched the electric fence. Maybe I uh, got bucked by a horse, even though I didn't have a mark on me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was really weird because as soon as this happened at the hospital, it was one of the first things that immediately popped in my head. And I was like, I feel like this is weird something in the same you know yikes man i mean that's ugh. i mean that's just crazy dude i've 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 had some crazy experiences that i like i can't wait to kind of dive into on oh, the yeah. show but i haven't had that and so you know that's oh man that's so crazy but i mean i don't know if you want to get into this on the podcast but just out of my own curiosity was this and i'm not trying to explain away what happened but was this in or around the time that uh you know, especially since you just literally, I mean, coincidentally, how crazy is this, that you just came from a neurologist appointment? Was mm-hmm. this around the time before or, oh yeah, you know, like that you started having um, like the extreme headaches and the, you know, them discovering that you had like a, a, a tumor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally had forgotten about that. But yeah, I had never been a person who had ever gotten headaches, you know, my whole life. Like I, I know a lot of people who you know, they constantly have headaches and I've, you and know, migraines until, and stuff too. Right. Well, I'd never had a migraine up until yeah. that point. Um, I'd probably had, I mean, even just regular headaches, I'd probably had, you know, maybe 10 my whole life or something, but yeah, right around that was, that, that's really interesting that you said that because right around that time, um, I think I had my first migraine and, you know, my wife is like super, anything that like happens to me or you know like she would have me go in and do checkups twice a year and Mm -hmm. and you know she would call the doctor for me and set up an appointment and then be like hey um you know he's he's complaining about his like he has an irregular heartbeat so you may want to put him on a halter monitor uh he's also complaining about um some headaches so let's go ahead and get an mri going you know so she's she wants me to do every possible test i can and i did i ended up having my first couple migraines I mean, shortly after that and went in, did the MRI, everything was fine. And then probably about a year later, I started having like these headaches and uh, my migraines had gotten really, really bad. So I went in for another MRI and this would have been only a year later. And it went from absolutely nothing out of the ordinary to uh, I had a tumor pushing on my frontal lobe that was as big as a half dollar Mm. and it was actually so you know fortunately they were able to remove it by going you know up my nasal cavity and you know they didn't have to shave my head and stuff but it is weird because when they went in it had you know metastasized or it was so accelerated in the growth that from even whenever they did the MRI to like the month after it had it was growing so fast and had gotten so big that it was like starting to like crack the front of my skull oh my even because it was just you know there's no room and it's pushing on my frontal lobe so you know i mean who knows what other weird side effects from that you know but um yeah i mean super weird like i would i would taste like metal i would smell you know weird smells that nobody else would you know when it was when i when the tumor was like pressing on my lo- you know frontal lobe or whatever um but yeah it um you know, I don't know if it's and a again, correlation. Like, I'm not trying to explain away. No, I was definitely what you experienced, but it's like you know, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, like for real, 
you know, it, it kind of makes it easier to not explain away that, you know, you went for the MRI and they didn't see anything. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, things like that can have an effect on, on you know, someone's perceived reality. Maybe, I mean, oh, yeah. just, we could just go into so many different, like, crazy theories. Like, maybe maybe you did go into a... Um, another reality. Another reality and, and, and mm-hmm. the byproduct of, of when that happens to someone, for example, the man from Tarred, is maybe mm-hmm. they come back with some uh, damage uh, to the brain, you know? Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it's just, there, there's endless, um, endless possibilities. You know, I was thinking while you were talking. Rambling. No, um, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, have I had an experience like that? And, you know, there is, actually, you know what? There is one, man. Uh, so whenever Ooh. I was in, when I was in college, man, up in Dahlonega, uh, one night I, um, I was at this like party and, and, you know, having fun and everything. And it was kind of like one of those nights where I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I just feel like, uh, just, you know, going, going home or whatever. Um, next thing I know, I'm like waking up in my apartment and I'm like, oh man, lights coming through the curtains and I'm like, what's going on? And I look out my window and my window faced the parking lot of the apartment complex and I look and my truck is parked like not in the space, which is sort of perpendicular to the apartment building, mm-hmm. but like parallel to the, so sideways. Taking, Whoa. imagine somebody just going and whipping it in right in front of a door. Turns you got, out you got roofied, bro. Yeah, turns out that um, someone did drive me home. Uh, they parked Whoa. my truck like that as a prank, and that the only reason I didn't remember was because I had too much to drink. Anyway, hey, yep. I uh, hey, hey, yep. hey <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that one's not going to make it in. But I um, <laughs> I, I just think it's so fascinating. You know, I think. It leaves room for skeptics and quote-unquote mm-hmm. believers alike. And there's just been so many kind of accounts of people who either claim to have traveled to and visited an alternate reality mm-hmm. or claim to be someone who has arrived from an alternate reality. Right. So it's not just the man from Tard. This isn't the only situation or event like this there are more of those out there you know i know i i found like a couple and um you were kind of talking about a couple uh you know earlier mm-hmm. um you know two of the examples that i found were one was in 1972 these four girls um were kind of traveling together across the utah and nevada state line and they ended up crashing their their car into like a creek bed mm-hmm. and Obviously, you know, when that happens, especially in 1972, the cops come out and they say, hey, you know, what have you girls been up to? Have you been drinking, taking drugs? They're like, no. They then describe to the law enforcement officers that they basically, out of nowhere, they were driving along. And then all of a sudden they were driving through this like terrifying, what they described as like otherworldly landscaped landscape being chased by these humanoid beings yeah they like came out like, of the woods right yeah and driving like egg-shaped vehicles and chasing yeah. them down and they try to avoid it. them and then boom they crash in this creek bed here's another part of this it's just like crazy man <clears throat> so the cops of course are like man these girls have been smoking that old herbal jazz cigarettes mm-hmm. haven't you and um well and they're from i love how like it doesn't matter if they're from nevada or utah or Alabama country my my yeah I immediately go to like the country cop anyway it sounds like my grandpa yeah I guess the evidence that they found in terms of like the tire marks and stuff on the road Mm -hmm. there's like a big sort of gap the way that they crashed into the creek bed Mm -hmm. the tire tracks would have been a certain way and would have been like longer or something like that when they looked at it it looked like they just braked at the last second. In other words, kind of implying that they may have been driving on a complete, like in a completely different area. And then all of a sudden, boop, they're here in the Creek bed. And oh man, you know, like, like you would, you would, how you would react last minute. If all of a sudden a Creek bed just appeared and you're like, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, then jammed on the brakes and then like if a a squirrel jumps out in front of you, I don't break for squirrels, bro. (laughs) Okay. If a dog jumps out in front of you, Mm mm-hmm. 
Kind of like that, yeah. Horse. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, anything. I mean, I tr- look. I try to avoid squirrels, and we're here. We get, we're going off the rails. Jeez. And I've got to edit this out every time. You know, so that one was fascinating. There was also, um, I mean, especially the egg shaped vehicle. Human. That's amazing. Beings. Yeah, yeah. Man. And then, so that was 1972. Most recently, the one that I found was this lady in 2008. She appeared on this like forum. You know, I don't know if it was Reddit or whatever, but she. Or even, I don't even know if it was social media. Uh, I don't know if she just like made a Facebook post. <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. hey, I need help. This lady appears on there and it, and then like basically writes this message like, hey, I need help. Here's what happens to me. Here's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And she described that one morning, a normal morning, she wakes up. She kind of notices little differences, but not enough to be just kind of completely alarmed right out of the gate. But she notices like, huh. I remember putting these pajamas on last night, but they were pajamas that she owned. So, you know, maybe she, you know how it is. Some days mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, I don't remember wearing this, but okay. Then little things like in her house were just slightly different. Like a table was, you know, a little bit, a different shade of, you know, stain or something, or her car- her carpet color was just like slightly different. And so, again, she didn't really think much of it. She goes to work. She goes up to the floor that she's been working in the job that she's in the company and in the job that she's had for like 20 plus years. And she doesn't recognize a single coworker. In other words, all strangers. And she's kind of like, what is going on? And she realizes, too, that her job like description or whatever is not what she's been doing for the past 20 plus years. It'd be like, you know, if your job was, I don't know, company executive and you get there and they're like, company executive, no, 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 you're, you're, uh, you're the gym. mailroom executive. Yeah, you know, I mean, right. something like that extreme. And she's just like puzzled. People are trying to like calm her down. They're, they know her. They all know her. They're like, re- you know, I don't remember the lady's name, uh, Lorena. Lorena, like, we, we know you. What, what, what's the problem? So she is just freaking out, right? And so she goes home. And when she gets home, her partner is waiting for her. Mm -hmm. And she sees the car in the driveway, and she's like, huh? She goes inside, and it's the boyfriend that she had broken up with like six months ago. Man. And so she's even more confused. She's like, what? And she instead the way she kind of in her reality or how she remembers it is she broke up with this guy six months ago and then two months ago started dating this new guy who like had a son lived down the street all this stuff so she's like telling this you know old boyfriend or the current you know that happens Mm -hmm. in this reality to be her current boyfriend or whatever hey you know just get out just get out just get out so he's confused he leaves she calls the number of this guy that she had been dating the person answers. They're like, we don't, I don't know who you're talking. It's a lady too. So she's like, you're hiding him, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Tell me where he is. And she's like, I have no, ma'am, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. So then she says, you know what? I'm going to march my butt over there and I'm going to go. She goes to this guy's house, you know, knocking on the door, bam, 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 bam. Hello. Hello. Whatever the guy's name was, you know, a lady comes out. She's like, uh, I think I just talked to you. On the, there's no one here. She asked for like the guy's son. He knows me. You know, I, I've been playing with him for two months. You know, whatever. The lady's like, "There's no son. I don't know what you're Never talking heard about." Them. Never heard of it. <laughs> and uh, so she she's just flipping out. She goes back to her house, and unfortunately for her, man, like she never kind of snapped back to her reality. Cue the Eminem. Snap back to reality and. Um, she never, she's been quote unquote stuck here ever since. So it's just something that she's had to accept. So years go by and finally she posts this story on this forum and says, please, can someone help me? Has anything like this ever happened to anyone? And as far as I know, man, nobody, uh, you know, obviously was able to help her. So Hmm. it's just, um, yeah, well, and, and being someone who, uh, you know, did experience whatever it was, you know, 
maybe it was just some neurological thing that happened to me. But, you know, it does kind of suck because there's such a stigma of we immediately rationalize and immediately go to, oh, this person's drunk or maybe they're on drugs or they mm-hmm. they don't know what they're talking about. They're just making this up to get, you know, attention or whatever. I think I think this thing is probably a little more common uh, than not, but, mm-hmm. you know, there is such a stigma attached that, um, you know, everybody just kind of keeps to themselves. I mean, for me, when I when this first happened, I mean, you know, I've always been a kid who is obsessed with, like I said, you know, fringe stuff or paranormal, anything weird like this. But, you know, the idea of like time slips or missing time, you know, at that time, I'd never really even heard of it. I mean, I didn't really even know it was, was like a thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I became obsessed and just went really, really heavy into it, just trying to figure out what happened and mm-hmm. is this like a normal thing? And, and that's how you came across the man from Tarid. That's how I came across the man from Tarid. Man, I think that's an awesome place to uh, to wrap it up. You know, I also want to say hello to a bunch of the new listeners that we've gotten this week from yeah. literally all around the world. I mean, we've got folks in Romania, Switzerland, Ireland, Australia, India, Mexico, and Austria. That is so cool. One of these days we need to tell, especially our listeners in Australia, about the time that we were in Good day some- there, mate. How the hell are you? Oh, man. Two Classic. things. One, you have the worst Australian accent yeah. um, kind of mm-hmm. uh, imitation. And and then second, that same terrible accent was oh, used yeah. when we convinced these probably really inebriated people in some random town in the U.S. when we were on tour with our band that mm-hmm. we were, in fact, from Australia. And the only reason we did... I guess I'm telling the story now. The only reason we did <laughs> is because they came up to us after we sound checked mm-hmm. and they're like, Hey, are you guys from somewhere? And I'm like, I don't, they must've seen the confusion on my face. And they said, you know, like, um, England or Australia or something. And then you just like piped in with like, I mean, Oh yeah, we are. Yeah. And, uh, they're like, huh? And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. And then, and then, so you and I are like speaking to them like this with Australian accents and we're like, the whole hey, we're here from Australia and uh, boy, that was terrible too. Um, and then like, I'm pretty sure like Boo Boo tried and it just sounded like, uh, <laughs> what's his name, dude, Borat, yeah. you know? I mean, it was yeah. basically the equipment. He's like, ah, oh, hello. And, um, and then Thomas was just like, I'm not. I'm yeah, not I don't think he, I I'm think not he doing just that. Like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Which is probably the smartest move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you again so much. Until next week, be rad. That's the way it goes.